Hello, and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By. Uh, uh, bit. wow, I fucked that up completely. Hooray! Take two. Nope, you're keeping all that in. We'll see. And welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, episode 253. Aroo! Well, that was lukewarm as fuck. Jake, woo for us! Yeah! Oh my god, no. Angels That's too much. That's way too much. Of grace, defend us. I will be turning that down. Uh, holy shit. Um, fuck, I've lost my train of thought. Today, we will be discussing the execrable The Thaw and the infamous. Tuvix. I think both of those adjectives are wrong. You don't think Tuvix is an infamous episode? I wouldn't say infamous. I would say it is probably the most highly debated episode, but not because it's bad or anything. Infamous doesn't mean bad. Well, infamous. there is a negative connotation to infamous, yeah. I guess. Yeah. The, I just think of it as meaning... the Yeah, the highly debated. I wasn't trying to claim it was bad. I just... It's definitely super well-known and super divisive over... Yes, that, those are the, better... The super terms. divisive. Yeah. I will not, however, take back that no. the thaw is execrable. Yeah, the thaw was terrible. A lot of people really like the thaw. They are wrong. Those I'm going to read to you out of my book someone who really likes the thaw in a minute. Oh, but first, but who first, the hell who are the you? Are, yes, I'm Chris, and joining me today are... Ames. Caitlin. And Jake. Oh, that was boop, not boop, as long boop, as I thought it would be. That's what she said. It is a Jake in the morning kind of day, I see. Which nice. is funny, because it is late afternoon. You're listening to Jake in the Morning. W-J-A-K-E. Which is extra surprising, because Jake hasn't been sleeping. Oh, so he's oh. punchy as fuck. This will be interesting. So, first up, in The Thaw, nothing good happens. Lies, tell us what actually bits. happens. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this is a summary. You're not supposed to editorialize. We do that constantly, though. Anywho, the Voyager does show up at a planet which had a cat to... Sh wow. Just do it like a normal human. I almost said catastrophe and catastrophic event at the same time, hence the weird pronunciation. It came out cactus. It was interesting. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was going to say something about cats. The Voyager mm, has it's... shown up <laughs> at a planet that had a catastrophe, and... The few remaining uh, colonists had put themselves into the stasis. They beam the the stasis tubes aboard. A couple people are dead somehow, even though the system seems to be working. And they're like, oh shit, these people are in like the Matrix. But this is a few years before that movie, so that reference wouldn't have made sense at the time. But it does now. What year was the Matrix? 99, I thought. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 99. That's I mean, this was definitely funny. before the Matrix, though. Yeah. yeah, that's extra funny because literally the book I'm reading is all like, you know, things that the, the Voyager probably took these ideas from. The Matrix. This, this, this fucking guy. Good good research, book. <laughs> so yeah, they've beamed these cryotubes aboard. There's five of them. Two people are dead. And they're like, oh my god, they seem to have died of heart attacks. Like, super fear. And it's like, that's fucking bonkers. So uh, they decide to send Balana and Harry into this Not the Matrix. And they are soon on the set of a horrible early 90s children's show, complete with, like, Cirque du Soleil clowns. Literally. And the woman who played Lumpy in the Star Wars holiday special. Wait, did you just say literally? Were they literally Cirque du Soleil clowns? 
They got oh. Cirque du Soleil actors to play the background. Or Cirque du Soleil, Cirque du Soleil performers to play the background actors. Well, look at that. Oh, and here I was just being glib. Here, yeah. But yes, there's Cirque du Soleil, there's Lumpy, there's like... What was Lumpy? The woman in the tutu. What, she... what, no, what was she no, in the was... Star Wars thing? The oh, Chewbacca's Lumpy is Chewbacca's child. child, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, she was in the Lumpy suit. She also was in a few episodes of Buck Rogers in the Tweaky suit. And Michael McKean, who you might know as Mr. Green from Clue, or the guy from Spinal Tap, or a million, million other things, is a terrifying space clown who kind of feels like a watered-down version of uh, the evil AI from I Have No Mouth But I Must Scream. He seems to enjoy toying with his captives and is very excited to have some new ones. When they try to jump out, he's all like, I will kill people, and... Eventually, I forget, does he let Bellana go? go they talk? convince him that right. if he doesn't let one of them go, that Janeway will just pull the, will just like remove them and pull the plug on the whole right, thing. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and he doesn't want to let them go because he needs like real brains for him to exist. Like the, the organic brains are key to his whole matrix existing. You know, he rejects the idea of artificial brains. They send in the EMH to try to negotiate because he can't fuck with a hologram in the same way. You know, he fucks with Harry a bit. Eventually, he kills one of the colonists. And then Janeway says she'll she'll jump in and replace all the other hostages. But uh, there's a trick up her sleeve because there's a few minutes delay between what the, the people in the Matrix think and Michael McKean hearing it. And, uh, whoopsie, they send in a holographic Janeway, and he doesn't know until it's too late, and then <laughs> there's, a, there's a trick up her sleeve, and she's seen, um, shipping a bottle. <laughs> yes, there we go. And, uh, you know, in the probably only good scene in the whole thing, Michael McKean, like, fades to black, being afraid. It reminded me of the end of It. I've never seen It, so I can't, no, me neither. Uh, comment on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, do not try and leave the simulation. Uh, instead, only try and realize the truth. There is no clown. <laughs> we have nothing to fear. Fear itself. We have nothing to fear but fucking clowns. And yeah, this- man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why you guys hated this episode so much. I, I like. I mean, I, I didn't, didn't love it. it. Here's oh, the thing. I, was, I, was, I thought it was fine. I thought it was cool. Oh, I, I was, despised I it. The thing that distracted me. All episode long, because I happen to already have seen, like, Caitlin posted on Facebook that she hated this one. So I was kind of flavored the whole episode long. Like, why do they hate this one? Because all I can see is this is just a TOS episode. It looks in, like, aesthetics, because it's got bright fucking colors and, and all the different looks that a TOS episode would have. It's got some of the same themes as a TOS a- episode. It lo- it just has the same look, feel, and, like, tone of a TOS fucking episode, except it has the Moriarty ending. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can see that, and maybe that's part of the reason why I kind of liked it. It does, it has a kind of throwback quality. It's it's campy, right? You have this this campy environment, overacted. You know the Cirque du Soleil people, I think- uh, and and you know the the guy with the giant teeth mask head, like oh oh oh, do you yeah, know dude, who that, that was? No, who was, was that? it? Donnie that- Darko. <laughs> No, I'm sad because I saw the, I saw him listed in the in the cast and I was like, oh, I wonder which one he is. But the thing is, because he's wearing like this gigantic suit with gigantic tooth head. But that is Carol Stryken, who was our good friend, Mr. Hom. Okay. Oh, no shit. Yeah, oh, Lurch. A, a big Lurch? galoot. Yeah, he just uh. had to be very tall. 
Yeah, I guess yeah. I guess when you need a big galoot, you know who to call for. Yeah. I guess yeah. I'm surprised that he uh, we are talking about that same guy, right? The guy that played Lurch in the Adams family or whatever? Yeah, one he of was, the Lurches. Um... And he was Ruck. No, 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 no Ruck. I'm so sorry. No, Ruck Waxana's, was the original Lurch. The Waxana's, right? uh, yeah, yeah. Like... Lurch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. I was so I mean, confused. you were still right that he was a Lurch. Yeah, Ruck was the <laughs> TV Lurch. Oh, Different he lurch. was one of the Lurches. Oh, holy shit. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, listen, I'm glad we all got here eventually. Is there a new Adams Family remake? Can we get Can we get that Lurch? In, there is uh, some new Adams Family, but I think it's... um. I believe it is animated, so I'm not sure. Uh, well, we'll put him in lower decks. Yeah, I don't know who <laughs> voiced him. They are making a new, like, Wednesday-focused live-action series for Netflix. So Lurch, a Lurch may show up in that. I don't know. Pass. Anyway. Wow. This that is has, not... That's like a coin flip of being terrible or great. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. tell you. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this is not an Adams Family podcast, even though it is a great show. You see, my issue is that, to me, it was just like... 20-minute episode stretched into 45. Like like most TOS episodes. <laughs> yeah, it just, I don't know, it lacked anything that I enjoyed, pretty much. I just, I, I hated the whole carnival atmosphere. I hated the point. I, I Yeah, no, I really found yeah. nothing to enjoy about I this. Do, yeah, I agree in that I kind of wish that they hadn't only done a carnival atmosphere, because if they're supposed to be preying on these people's fear... Which, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but preying on these people's fear, and this is basically all the clowns doing in, yeah. in morphing what used to be a paradisical place into a place that evokes fear. There are lots of different types of fear. Do all of the people just fear clowns? Like, I feel like it should have, like, scene by scene had a different look every so often. See, of, like, cr- dark cave or any, or you know, haunted house. Pick see, your I, ooh, I haunted house would be it. fun. I interpreted it differently. I didn't think that Ooh, the clowns were necessarily there for fear. Like, I thought perhaps the clowns were actually originally part of the the fun, paradisical environment. But they and, became evil? And and in particular, the Michael McKean clown. You know, and he didn't really... And that's the other piece, too, right? I don't know that he necessarily became evil. Because... And this is why I kind of like the episode, right? Because it's really an episode about a rogue AI. And, you know, like the Matrix or like, you know, or like Nomad, right? You have an AI that is programmed to do a thing and it becomes sort of self-aware and it, be- and it and its mission gets warped. And in this case, it believes its mission is to stay alive. The, yeah. You know, it wants to perpetuate itself. Like the prototype robots who want to stay alive, too. Yeah, like the prototype mm. robots, like transporter accidents, things like that, that just don't, <laughs> that just don't want to die. And you found the link. And I it's, like it. its response being an AI and not necessarily having any sort of, you know, human compassion or emotions, its response is, oh, I need brains to stay alive. And these you know, four people or five people, I guess they started with five, you know, they're they're due to leave the simulation. Well, if they leave the simulation, then I'll stop existing because I need the brains. If I don't have the brains, I don't exist. So the the computer's rational response to that is, well, I just got to keep them from, from leaving. So I will scare them to motivate them to stay. 
And if they get out of line, well, I only need one brain, so I can just start picking them off, you know, if they become too, uh, too rowdy. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a pretty cool concept. That, that uh, I think, thing, you know, the execution thing. has some, some flaws for sure, but that, that's what I liked about it. Yeah, I mean, that's where you're right. Like, on paper, that sounds so good. Like, I mean, I think the main issue for, in a way, is, like, he just didn't fuck with them enough, you know? Like, we mostly saw him make old Harry and then baby Harry and threaten to kill Harry at one point. There was the scalpel that was playing with scalpel. Right, right, when, um... And there was gonna be a bug game that we never got to see what it was gonna be. Oh, yeah. He said, let's play the bug game, and he's like, yes, I love the bug game, and then then they stopped immediately because they said something. Yeah, yeah, It, it was just like... You know, it just, it, it, there was that, and then it was just a bunch of negotiation and fooling around in the background, though I did enjoy when the image showed up and got to be, like, you know, ambassador from Voyager, especially when he interrupted, like, no, no, you're holding the scalpel wrong, you idiot. Mm. Yeah, I think that was, that was a cool, uh, a cool way to deal with, um, how to, how to interact with these people. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah, they they really could have done more on the fear front because you know the the old Harry baby Harry thing. Eh. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I think my my favorite scene was just let's frighten a baby mm. in real life because they were just like freaking this baby out until it cried, and I laughed so much. <laughs> we were watching and we were like, oh wow, that's actually some surprisingly decent old age makeup on Harry. And then they switched to baby Harry, and it's like, fuck, that's really good makeup. <laughs> <laughs> joke no i yeah, realized I mean, really, really the fear i think mostly came in with the decapitation uh yeah 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 system the, the guillotine yeah which makes me think about because i you know i brought up in the middle of the episode i was trying to remember the name of the vengeance factor an episode we watched back in tng times with our good friend yuta the girl oh, who right, like right. would kill people from old clans with her touch and yeah Bev was so surprised that, oh, this old man, this million-year-old man had a heart attack out of nowhere. And that never happens. And I was calling bullshit all over the place. Yeah. Because you look at these people who had heart attacks out of nowhere because they were being terrorized in a hollow program. (laughs) Yeah, that that was the other thing. It's like, they were scared to death. It's like, I'm sorry, is this a novel from the 19th century? Like, what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think I think it would have made more sense if 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 they had not specifically said it was a heart attack. If they were like, "Oh, their brain just stopped functioning," you know? Yes, yeah. you know, like like in 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 the film, The Matrix, you may have game. taken inspiration from this episode. For all we know, I highly <laughs> doubt it. Um, yeah. You know, if you die in the Matrix, you die in real life because the body can't survive without the mind. So you know, they could have pulled something like that, like. You know this this decapitation thing. Well, they didn't have of, the Matrix to steal from yet. <laughs> yeah, but because it, it makes sense though, Look, right? Like we, because of, they're so integrated in the system, they can't even be pulled out, or else it'll cause brain damage. So we what all would happen know in, if you die inside. We all know that both Terminator and the Matrix were ripped off from a nineteen eighty something pitch that some random Las Vegas woman sent to Hollywood once. Was it a Harlan Ellison novel? <laughs> No, Harlan Ellison had more claim on the creation of Terminator than this crazy woman. <laughs> yeah, to I this remember day, hearing that, 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 I don't know if it's the same one, but, but some, somebody had sued for the Matrix because they're like, oh, I had a, a short story or something that was... Yeah, 
Yeah, it was a short story she submitted in to some contest allegedly run by the Wachowskis in 1986, even though that makes no sense because the Wachowskis were like 16 at the time or something and weren't <laughs> running a damn thing. Yeah. Yes, but they could have gone back through the archives. I thought you were about to be like, but they could have gone back in time. We have and to go back, like, Marty. No, they, they oh. couldn't. Back to the Matrix. <laughs> uh, Marty, and I have back. to say, the explanation in this episode for mm. why why this these things are is is much better than the explanation in the Matrix because these things you know, are being are existing. Um, okay. You know, right? So the, the machines in this case, the 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 clowns, they're there and and the reason they need the humans is because the human brains are what are powering them. But right, for for like processing power, you know, they need the organic brain to run their simulation on. But in the matrix, it is literally, oh, we need to tap the human nervous system for electricity. Yeah, we plug you in is, like batteries. <laughs> like, did it you would... know that the laughter of children creates electricity? <laughs> what if we it, scare this baby and make it cry instead? It, well, that'll also make electricity, but only a tenth as much. It's funny because uh, the ten pitch, scare them. <laughs> the pitch meeting for the Matrix actually makes that joke, where like the guy pitches it as, "Oh, the brains run the simulation," and then the like Hollywood guy is like. That's too complicated. Let's just make them batteries. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually what happened. I meant to read up on that and then forgot. Well, in the movie, it's definitely batteries. Yes. Uh, yeah. In the movie, and, it's definitely batteries. I think. And, I think it makes a lot more sense they did in this episode with the yeah. you know, the brains brains running the simulation. Yeah. That that is. Yeah. And again, I think, yeah. like you said, it's a great motivator for the AI to trap them there because it's like without you, I don't exist, and I want to exist. So I may have missed something at the beginning because we were something was going afoot when when we started watching this episode. So these people put themselves into this hollow cryo situation because their planet was being bombarded by solar flares that were affecting the weather. So they're like, yeah. we're going to wait this out in cryo well, in our in our. The, I don't think it was just the weather. Like it was magnetic fields like frying their shit, wasn't it? Well, I think yeah, it, it sounded like the the, the surface of the planet was uninhabitable. Yeah, and that's why they had to go. To oh yeah, and they were two and a half miles or two and a half Three miles down? down. Three kilometers down. Yeah. Two point something kilometers. Okay, but there were five people there. Yep. So what remind what did happen with the other ones? Because I may have two missed. Two of them this. were already scared to death. No, I mean the other people of this planet. I think they they oh. just died. Yeah, they didn't have because they wow. couldn't. They, there was talk of like it came on so suddenly that they couldn't just evacuate or something. Oh, that's really sad. Yes. Yep. Really funny yeah, but it sounded like, up, you know, I the simulation to, was uh, only supposed to last until the surface became habitable again. Yeah. And then people and then they were supposed to shut them. But I think that was the fatal flaw is that the 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 people inside the simulation had to shut it down themselves. Mm. Yeah. Versus it just shutting itself off. Yeah. Well, they they had they had like a little screen where they could look and see how are the conditions on the surface? Still radioactive? No, let's stay inside. So I guess it makes a little sense why they would have that. Although you'd think a computer program would be able to, like, say, if the conditions on the surface reach a habitable level, level and this amount of time passes, then wake up the humans mm. or the, yeah. the humanoids. I think another thing I kind of not really necessarily liked about the episode, but liked thinking about was just the absolute hell that these people have been in for so we know that they that they should have been able to leave. I think they said four years. Yeah. So they've been in this fucking clown world. 
dealing with Michael McKean's bullshit for four fucking years, longer than they had to be. So who knows how much longer before that? Yeah, because they so they would have been in here for 19 years, but we don't know exactly when the clown became just the worst. We also don't know, you know, if he fucked with their perception of time at all. Hmm. Yeah. So for all, you know, we know they feel like they've been in there for centuries. I'm just going to say, you know what? If you need to hide out from a cataclysm, just go the fucking Botany Bay route. Just fucking freeze them. Sleep it. Sleep it. Sleep through it. Yeah. There's no need. There's no need to to have a matrix. It's a dumb idea, guys. Well, it was to keep the mind from atrophying or something, which doesn't actually make sense. They had they they had this cool tech and they wanted to use it. Yeah, basically, they were like, "Look, I'm gonna spend the next 15 years playing randomized Zelda, and it's gonna rock." Yeah. Yeah, a couple things I noted about this episode. Uh, one is that it was directed by Marvin Rush, who's usually the director of photography. Huh. So he was like, freaking perfect. A really visual-based episode. This is my my cup of tea. This is my jam. I'm going to make everything look really, like, colorful and fun and shoot from fun angles and all this kind of thing. And bring in Mr. Holm, because that's excellent. But also, and this won't be surprising at all, this is probably why there are so many, like, very lacking elements, is that it's written by our good friend Joe Minoski, who, oh boy, have we complained about him before because he's the writer of Distant Voices. Ooh. He's the oh, writer no. of Masks and Emergence and oh, Time no. Zero. Which one's and Emergence? And Personae. Oh, uh, Emergence well, is the Zero. one. Chris likes Emergence that one. is the one where there's a train. Oh, and no. They have to go yeah. in the weird train and everything's representative of something. That was awful, too. I mean, this, the, the, he definitely has a has a style, though. I yeah. Think. Like, all yeah, of his episodes shit. kind of. They're all abstract. Yeah, they're very abstract. So, like, and maybe that's a thing. You know, maybe there's people that really like Emergence. I mean, Emergence was also about, like, an emergent AI, wasn't it? It was about yeah, that's yeah. true. An AI the ship that ship having that a went, baby. That the, went uh, the old Windows, you know, pipe screensaver game sentience. Yep. What was the, there was one last one you said before uh, I b- asked b- which one? Oh, uh, Dramatis Personae, the one where Cisco makes a clock. Oh, and yeah, Dax that is lazy, great. and everyone's a different personality because it's abstract. Yeah, that that was also deeply mediocre. Yeah. Oh boy, is this his last one? Please say we never have to see one of his episodes oh, ever no. again. Oh no, there uh, are lots more from him. There are I so mean, many more from him. Uh, so who loved this episode, by the way? Okay, so my reference book, The Unofficial Guide to Voyager, Delta Quadrant by David McKinty. He freaking loves this episode, evidently. Okay. And I'm going to read you his verdict. I mean, to be fair, he's a fucking nerd that wrote a book about Voyager episodes. And got so a bunch take... of shit wrong, it sounds like. And yeah, because yeah, so he starts talking about the Matrix. Take his take his uh, his review with a grain of salt. He also says one of the lows of the episode was the screaming baby Harry, which I think was a high. <laughs> I but actually thought verdict. I thought the baby in the Starfleet uniform was just really cute. Yeah. To be honest, it's not usually we know babies are not usually my thing, but that was a damn cute baby. Harry King would make a cute baby, I think. He did. Anyway, <laughs> quote, another near classic. Michael McKean's clown really makes the show. He's utterly surreal and scary in a way that's that the more famous Joker never has been on screen. What? Note that this, this was written in 2000. Yeah, but he's still wrong. Yeah. I mean, though, though a low budget show with stock sets, this still ends up as a highlight of the series because the theme, the struggle against fear, is both obvious and accessible, yet also handled with subtlety. 
That I highly disagree what on. Subtlety? Yeah. What subtlety? They called Subtle, them fear like a from the first blast. Oh, the dialogue sparkles too, and there's a no. notable lack of techno babble except for in a few scenes. The final clown Janeway scene is also stunning, with a neat twist. Marvelous and up there with the best that Trek has to offer. It's a shame that the producers often forget that bigger isn't necessarily better, as what? Trek's best episodes tend to be low-key ones like this surreal it's... and magnetically, magnetically attractive one. 8.5 out of 10. It's not subtle, and it's not low-key. You said they literally hired Cirque du Soleil. They also could not have possibly been low-budget. What are they talking about? I mean, well, the sets didn't look terribly expensive. No, but yeah, I mean, yeah, they had to like hire the, about 6,000 extras. I like yeah, the pods. They had like 400 people in the fucking thing. Yeah, it does look like the, they maybe spent so much money on Cirque du Soleil that they then had to <laughs> dig up old Double Dare sets. But, like, for real, like, imagine saying, like, oh, this was so subtle and it, not, it was not over the top. What are you, on fucking drugs, my man? And do you have yeah. some extra? Because I would love to be that fucking high. <laughs> um, well, yeah, when, when they state so many times, fear, 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 we have to fight against fear. Fear won't conquer us. We'll conquer fear. That's the whole point. It's like, I was wow, expecting Joe Rogan much. to walk out. Yeah. Fear factor. Oh, oh, wow. I didn't get that one. But yeah, the, the I will say that end scene with Janeway is good. Uh, I do like the whole fade to black thing, the tone of it. Eh, that's the thing. Like, thank God they had a character actor as good as Michael McKean as the clown. Because mm. otherwise this really just, I would, I would have hated it even more. Because... <laughs> mm. You know, it, the character was so mostly annoying, but at least he was in the hands of someone who was super competent. Yeah, he was very only, competent. I think the only thing that would have made me hate it more would have been if it was, like, Phil Hartman and it was his last role. Like, <laughs> oh, You know what much. I mean? Like, I feel, like, everything about it. I I'm pretty just... sure Phil Hartman's last role was Small Soldiers, so honestly, this maybe would Toy have been soldiers? better. Small Soldiers? Oh, oh, um... Yeah, are they actually plastic army men, or they're like toys? They're toys that have they're like to- it was like it was like the stupid version of Toy Story. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh, that's. Oh, right. I did yeah, like yeah, yeah. that. Um, that the clown or fear or whatever we want to name him because he doesn't have a name. Am is dressed in gray and he's the only thing that isn't colorful on the set. Yeah. Mm. That was a good touch. Yeah, I appreciated yeah. his design. I think it would have been interesting if they had gone with, you know. Going with the circus theme, if they had made him like a ringmaster or something, mm. that's a little on the nose. I mean, it the also, whole thing is on the nose. Well, yeah. yes, true. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, to me, it was a little already a little weird enough that it felt so much like an Earth circus. So to have an Earth ringmaster really would have just uh, parallel development. <laughs> yeah, I know. I fucking hate <laughs> so, it so much. In all seriousness, though, speaking of like, I know we were talking about the Matrix and shit like twenty minutes ago, and I'm only just catching on, but. It really is kind of robbing from it more than that, because it would have already been out by now, the miniseries and the book. And in it, Pennywise chooses the, or the the monster chooses the Targets. form of the destructor. Yeah, chooses well chooses the form of being a clown, because like he knows he can lure in children, but he does get his power from fear. Hmm. So it does kind of feel, at least in that way, a little rip offy. Mm. Yeah, I, I wish they hadn't leaned so heavily on the fear mm. thing. Jane's right? uh, Janeway's line at one point just had me scratching my head because the line is so silly. It's what does fear seek at the end of the ride? Oh, when she yeah. was making oh, a roller yeah. coaster parallel, and it was yeah. like that's a terrible line. It was so stupid, and also it isn't like there's an obvious answer. No, you know, it isn't like 
I don't even know. I don't even have a good suggestion as to what would be a good example. It, but it, it isn't like, and, what, and if there's smoke, there's fire, you know? It's like there's no, like, there's nothing about fear. <laughs> like that a people, balloon. Oh, yes, that old, yeah, and something bad happens. Like that old <laughs> adage, ah, oh, yes, and fear just secretly wants to be conquered. Ah, oh, yes, how could we have forgotten? Like, uh, Which that old is not chestnut. true. That old chestnut. It's like they wrote thing. the, they were writing the scene, realized there's no famous expression related to what fear wants, and said, we'll just make one up and pretend it's real. What does fear want? The only thing to fear is fear itself. No, we already said that 65 times, and that's not what we're talking about. Stop it. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. <laughs> hasn't hate happened yet. leads to clowns. As we that's all, true. As we all learned from the prequels, what actually leads to anger and hate is just what? forcing people sand. to secretly fuck. Yeah, and sand. And having to watch the prequels. <laughs> Yeah, the the final ep scene with hologram Janeway was intense because she is looking at fear. Like she is either going to fuck him or destroy him. Maybe or destroy both. him well, while fucking not, him. Why not both? Yeah. Death by yeah. Snoo Snoo. And like, you know, eh, your your book author is like, oh, it's a great twist. I'm like, it wasn't much of a twist. As soon as they showed her going into the pod, I'm like, okay, she's not really going in because also they you know as the other people were all waking up and stuff they never showed janeway in the pod Mm. so it was pretty obvious that yeah she's not really hooked up properly here (laughs) we did a lot of insurrection too yeah yeah, because I've been, I, I went and found, because we're going to talk more alien chairs today, and I went and found all the really good insurrection chairs, because, of course, I did. And, yeah, <laughs> they, I reminded myself, yeah, we do the same trick the person by making a thing a hologram uh, in, uh, yeah, in that as well. Right. I had forgotten that, because I try not to think about that movie. Mm. It's way better than I remembered, which is fine. Which one's insurrection again? Is that the one with F. Murray Abrams? It is. Yeah, yeah That's yeah. probably the best of the shitty bunch. Oh no! First contact's better, but first uh, contact's good. But but second best probably then to that one. Yeah, Picard had some great monologues. I happened to just rewatch the monologue where he's talking with one of the Sonar about. Oh, is this is this how you trying to plead for your life? And Picard says, "No, this is me pleading for yours." I'm like, "Yeah, that's 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 some good Picard work right there." Also, yeah. the one where he talks about getting a hard on for the first time in forty years with that lady. <laughs> Excuse Thanks. me. Thanks. Didn't need that. I don't remember that. We all know. It was a director's cut. Look, we all know Maybe he got a Maybe it's the director's uncut. <laughs> hey We all know he got wood from Vash, so it's been less than 40 years. <laughs> wow. I like how Chris is like, um, excuse me, but we can actually trace uh, Picard's <laughs> last boner uh, back to episode 14 of season Check 12. Check the logs! <laughs> it's a log, all right. Yeah! <laughs> wow. I'm full of them. So sorry. Speaking right. of logs, we're we're looking for plants in Tuvix. Uh, oh, there's there's okay. a segue. <laughs> Good Found one. it. So that's in, awesome. I like that we're done with that. In Tuvix, Neelix oh. and Tuvok are looking for Sitting some in a tree. orchids that I guess are edible and Yum. might make some sort of orchid soup next week. But uh oh, they beam up, and rather than getting Tuvok and Neelix, they get some sort of terrifying, horrible, fused being. Um, were we watching the same episode? Horrifying, fused being? He just looked like a guy. Do you mean the fucking obviously better in every way being that we got? <laughs> yeah. I just, 
I, I except for the hair. hair. The hair, hair was is bad. very upsetting. Yeah, but the hair's not nearly as bad as Neelix's was all the fucking time. It, like, I mean, it wasn't great, but it was not any worse than what we're used to. Yeah. Well, anyway, so this existential crisis is beamed on board, and uh, the doc's like, I don't know how to split them apart. Shrug. So Harry, it, get on it. <laughs> yeah. So it goes about its days. Uh, it you know it's it's got the knowledge and wisdom what? and memories of what? both men. Why are you calling him it? Mm. It makes it easier. Yeah. Yeah. No, didn't oh. get to do that. He was a he. He was he. Uh, I suppose so. Anyway, so he uh, has the knowledge and wisdom and memories of both men, and is kind of like off each parts of one offset parts of the other. So it's like as smart as Tuvok, but less. Annoying Vulcan. than Neelix. Oh, and And, uh, it, you know, as ebullient as Neelix, but not as aggravating. And is also apparently a better cook. Ebullient. Um, probably Good a word. better lover, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's all kind of weird for everyone, especially poor Cass, because oh, Tuvix yeah. is like, oh, I, I still love you. And she's like, that's kind of weird, because you're neither... Neelix, my boyfriend, nor Tuvok, my, my teacher. sometimes teacher, who, yeah. by the way, has a wife waiting for him. And children. And children. Mm. Um, Which means he's getting the best deal of all. He never has to go back to those fucking kids. I mean, they're all grown-ass I know, I'm just kidding, and he loves his children, we know that. Because they're well-behaved. Uh, so anyway, he's got yes. a few weeks to be alive and happy and, like, I enjoy this. And then suddenly, like, hey, we figured out how to split you apart. And he's like, oh, well, fuck, fuck you. Because I'm a new being with a life, and I don't want to die. And everyone's like, "Oh, uh, ooh, this just got weird." And be buddy, we yeah. should have put, put you in cryo in the meantime and not gotten attached. Let's yep. just pretend that we didn't hear that and fucking kill him anyway. Yeah, and you know, he even goes to Kess to be like, "Please speak on my behalf." And Kess, Kess, Kess goes to Janeway and is like, "I want Neelix back for." Some reason. Seriously, um, what the fuck? I, I maybe get wanting Tuvok back. <laughs> ah, poor Neelix. I, I yes, can't. what a fucking cold bitch. You believe that? And uh, yeah, ultimately, um, they have they they were like, all right, we really want to have Tuvix give the Shylock speech without him actually giving it, so we're gonna rewrite it, and then he's gonna make everyone feel super bad about their killing him before he's dragged off to be killed. Nobody looked like they were feeling too fucking bad. Nobody left so much as a fucking hangnail to fucking help this poor prick. Yeah, but his his parting shot of like, you know, you're going to feel bad because you're all good people is like, ooh, that's, ooh, that is a really good fuck you. Eh, they all just fucking woke up the next morning and went back about their lives. Sadly, fucking yes. Fucking assholes. I'm sure he'll mm. never be mentioned again. Yeah. This episode, yeah, this episode made me so a... fucking angry. I know, right? Like, I couldn't, I was so, I was livid through most of it because... The way they explain how the fucking thing works, why the fuck was his uniform merged? Why were they? Why was it? Because it wasn't of the just, orchids. The orchids yeah, the, went in the uniform. But the orchids affected the DNA. Yeah, he should. The have uniform been naked. isn't made out of DNA. I thought, uh, we, I thought we determined that the, the uniforms were made out of algae. I was gonna say, if we remember the animated series, are is is Neelix's uniform? I don't know about that. Well, his but also, was also it wasn't just like it, it was like. A fucking newly designed yeah, outfit. Yeah, doesn't it, make a ton of sense. It was, I like the design. It looked it looked great. It, I wish yeah. I wish that's what just Neelix wore. Like he made yeah, his own variant of a Starfleet uniform. You know when he's hmm. doing official you know, Starfleet stuff. Me too. But letting him wear it would definitely be like a 
a stain on the on Starfleet. They already mm. let those damn Maquis wear them. Oh, yeah, that's a I, I stand by what I said. I was a little surprised that they didn't, because, you know, when they realized, oh, we have to, you know, we need to unmerge the two of you, that they didn't, you know, put that uniform or put that the merged uniform on their lap. Or something. This has to be here, too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah. that's to make apparently, it yeah, that garment still exists somewhere because... Uh, it's made of orchids. <laughs> yeah, and when they demerged them, you know, because Tuvix was wearing a regular Starfleet uniform, both Neelix and Tuvok came out wearing a Starfleet uniform, not... Half of a Starfleet one, one should have been wearing the shirt, and one should have been wearing the pants. There, there you go. Yeah, I, and there no, should have been an orchid. An orchid should have come out of it too. Don't take. Where did that take, thing go? Don't think too hard about the science with this. Okay, one. Yeah, I think I think the orchids get consumed in the mm. in the in the thing because when they unsplit the flower, there wasn't an orchid either. Because we were meant That's to true. eat them. I was gonna yeah. say we knew that they were edible orchids when we went in. So yeah. Yeah, I've yeah, seen because you know this episode is like philosophically debated. Oh yeah, everywhere, li- literally everywhere. Okay, but and, okay, go on, Abe. Sorry. No, and like the couple of people that you know are uh, the instances in Wikipedia are like people who've like complained that this you know negates the conservation of mass in the teleporter. I'm like, wow, honey, if that's the thing that's hanging you up about this episode, Star Trek is not for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this no. is not a tech episode. <laughs> the transporter uh. is magic. Live with it. Have we seen yeah. Odo? We've seen him be a rat. Oh, We've he's accepted a cute little it. rat. Look, Odo shunts his goo into subspace. That makes perfect sense. I don't. It makes more sense than the Terra Transporter. They shunted half of Neelix and Tuvok into subspace to well, make Tuvix. For all we know, Tuvix is just super fucking dense and, and weighs yeah. as much as two two dudes. I don't know. Maybe. I think that would have come up in the doctor's uh, checkup. It's the density of a black hole or whatever. Dark Nibbler matter. poop. Oh, oh it, yeah, where one pound weighs a thousand pounds or something. Yes, yeah, yeah. one one pound of two Vicks weighs two pounds. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, you know, you say this this episode is debated. I, is there? I, I would like to hear anybody honestly defend uh, Jane Way in this episode. I mean, it's it's the classic. Without, it's, the tr- it's the trolley problem, and it's also. An instance better, I think, than Wrath of Khan's no-win scenario. Because I don't even she's... think it's the trolley problem, though, because the Neelix and Tuvok were dead. They were deceased, you know? But you can get them back. By killing somebody else. I was kind of surprised that no one brought up the needs of the many line, because <laughs> two is more than one. I mean, not many more, but it is more. I mean, the, the person that would bring it up <laughs> would be didn't too want, did, was was you was are. the one. You know? Oh yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> he, he was a few, like, but I'm the one. No one else was like like Janeway. Surely knows that line. It's like Mister Tuvix. Surely, Mister Tuvix. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And really, yeah, both. It would have been. I, it may be. You know, it it would have been a huge cop out by the writers to do this. But if they had made it so that like there was something wrong with Tuvix and like, you know. But then that's easy. That's the easy way out. Yeah, then you're, that's yeah. an easy then, way then, out. Then you're not putting these characters up against something that is an actual dilemma. Like the yeah. quote I have from Biller. Here's a great quote from Biller that I really liked. I hoped to create tension at the end where it would be difficult for anyone watching to know what was the right thing to do. I wanted to keep asking the audience just to keep poking at the audience. There wasn't an, there isn't an answer. It was an opportunity to show Janeway making the tough decisions which captains are faced with. 
Yeah, but she did it wrong. Yeah, it's also it's just it's. <sighs> what What would you do? I would, would you do? I would him. not murder a guy. Yeah, I would have left him, dude. That, that's yeah, but it. what it if it were over. someone that you loved? That I don't, you could have gotten. It's a back. damn shame, right? Like that's the hard thing, right? Is get you know instead of dealing with the grief of losing a friend or a lover or whatever, you know, it's like, oh no, we can just fix it. It's fine. Yeah, Neelix died, Cass. I'm sorry about that. And, you know, it's a damn fucking shame. And, you know, that happens. It's fucking space. Transporters. Shit happens. You know, and, and, you know, that's a a thing that you're going to have to deal with in your life now. And I'm sorry, but it, it happened. And Janeway, yeah, Tuvok is dead. He died. I know he was your old friend and you and you love him and, and you know, you, you miss him, but he died and you're a captain and people have died under your command before many times. And, you know, you kind of need to deal with that. But it doesn't mean that you can just murder somebody. There's a what's the it was like a sh- short story or something about I can't remember. I can't remember anything about this, but uh, the the base plot of it was. There was this idyllic society, uh, you know, and it was it was a it was a paradise. But the is paradise this a vonnegut. I don't know. I don't think it's a vonnegut. I don't okay. remember where this is from. Uh, it's like this idyllic paradise, and it's the dark secret is that the system. I think it was like an AI or something. Whatever is running this idyllic society. Oh God! It's fear the clown. <laughs> runs by torturing a small child in for eternity. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. And like, and so the, you know, and then you go to the people and you say, okay, well, you like the society. Oh yeah, the society's fucking great. It's like, well, you know, there's a child that's being tortured and it's like, and they're like, oh, yeah, but the society's real good. <clears throat> you know, it's kind of like that, right? So it's like, yeah, we, we wouldn't, ha- we, we have wouldn't to want kill to, yeah. Somebody. So I, I mean, I don't, I do not, I, I don't know. I, I'd be really interested to hear somebody defend Jane Way. Yeah, a, and not just from a fact that, oh, we can't lose two main cast members in a single episode. <laughs> so figure out a way to just remake them and leave him alone. Well, I mean, here's the thing. They totally could have, but that also is a cop-out. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want this episode to be a cop-out because I would rather have these conversations. And I think that's like one of the best things about this episode is it yeah. makes you have these conversations mm-hmm. of Janeway made a, made a decision that, most people really hate, but it's the decision that needed to be made because otherwise we wouldn't be able to have cast this members. <laughs> exactly. Well, yes, <laughs> there is that. I just watched this morning. There's a Trek Actually video about this episode. And while Steve Shives mostly uses it as an excuse to shit on Voyager for being episodic, which he doesn't prefer because of course he did. One of the elements he brought up was, imagine this episode because it would be like the same kind of conclusion if instead of Tuvok and Neelix effectively being dead, what if they were being held prisoner somewhere and to get them back, you had to sacrifice Tuvix or, you know, hostage exchange Tuvix knowing that Tuvix would have to go into in their place and be tortured or something. Would you do it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that 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 I think is a is a more compelling dilemma. Yeah, right? because it's a very similar dilemma. Well, not really, because Tuvok because and Neelix not really... are dead. Mm. Well, it but is are they? Thing. Yeah, I was about to say, like, I mean, yes, on the one hand, they're dead on the other Tuvix has all their memories. Like, he refers to them as feeling like their parent. He, he's like, he thinks of them as his parents. Okay, but does a Trill 
die when the symbiont still has its memories. It's not. Trill's still dead. Symbiont's alive. Right. But that, yeah, but that, again, that's not a thing with this, these species. What I'm saying here is like, the, the, it, like, in a way, that actually nails it. It's more like a Trill situation than a parent situation because we don't have the memories of our parents, thank no. God. Because uh, <laughs> theoretically, we would also remember our own conception, yeah, which is a horrifying concept. Don't need no. that. But yeah, so in a way, they are living on in a sense that most species, Trill accepted, don't get to when they, you know, pass on. So that, to my mind, adds even an extra wrinkle. Like, you know, they are sort of alive, in a sense. And what I liked, too, was, like, at first, I was like, ooh, I hope this isn't the whole episode, and it wasn't, was that he seemed to kind of swing back and forth between between being both of them, but then they became sort of a more merged personality. Yeah. And it was still definitely a balance of the two of them, but he wasn't like, you like, at first you could see him kind of jumping between back and forth. And then yeah, I'm after curious a while. how much of that was an acting choice and what wasn't. Yeah. The actor did a really yeah. good job. So good. Um, just as an aside. But yeah, and, and it was interesting that it turns out that, you know, the that Neelix and Tuvok, turns out that they actually really complement each other very, very well. Mm. In that, like, Neelix, who's an okay cook, but goes over the top sometimes with his crazy creations. More you know, Leola root. Yeah, but having Tuvok's influence in there to sort of temper that makes better food. Yeah. And on the other hand, you know, it, they didn't really go into it much, but it appeared that, like, you know, having a more... More emotion, I guess. More willingness to go with his hunch. Yeah, yeah. Makes a better security officer. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the 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 areas that are sort of blind spots or, or, or shortcomings of each character is sort of filled in by the other character, uh, making Tuvix kind of you know I think they even say you know better than the sum of its parts. Yeah, yeah. Tuvok has never had a hunch in his life. No, no. Mm-mm. Mr. Vulcan. Yeah, and uh, I think that was well, he very... Did have a, he did have a hunch that they were going to beam down and, and steal that special warp drive thing from that planet. Mm. He pre- mm. he programmed the, the transporter to let him know when Bellana and Curly and whoever else decided to fuck off. Yeah, mm. yeah I think it Tesco. was very intentional to make Tuvix so likable and so well-rounded to get you to like really become invested in the story because I know like the original pitch was like way more lighthearted and slapstick and they're like uh-uh, fix that we don't want oh, that terrible Ooh. no nobody wants that but also when Biller did the rewrite originally Tuvix would have consented to his fate and been like okay I get you guys want these two guys back and I understand oh. instead of literally fighting till the last second for his life he didn't fight that hard he didn't like punch anybody did he I mean, at the end of the day, there's nowhere to go. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if you were going to put me to death, I would fucking punch some people on the way out. (laughs) He could have stolen a shuttle. That is the easiest thing in Starfleet. I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying that even if there was nowhere to go, I feel like you don't just give up. It's literally life and death, actually. Yeah. In a weird... Okay. I would think of Tuvix as... A better analogy, I think, perhaps, maybe not better, I don't know, an analogy is, like, if Tuvok and Neelix were dying, and they needed 
an organ transplant and Tuvix had the organs, right? Like that, mm-hmm. like, do you kill Tuvix? Oh, well, that, yeah, that's another classic har- Charlie do you, problem. Do you harvest Tuvix's organs and kill him to cure, to, to treat two crewmen? Mm-hmm. There's something akin to that in Enterprise. Oh, no. Oh, that's weird. That's... I think they might kind of pull a cop out with it, though. I don't quite remember. Hmm. Now, I'm glad Caitlin brought up the trill earlier because Chris shared in our in our chat earlier the a, a meme about abominations, basically. And what if Tuvix and Kurzoda were were hanging out together and it would be hilarious. But then I realized, like, man, the Kurzoda thing is exactly the same. Because Kurzoda wanted to live as one person, Kurzon plus Odo, and Cisco specifically said fucking no you are not allowed curzon get out of there you're you're being selfish and no one gives cisco any guff for this well but it's different because odo like voluntarily first of all odo didn't die odo like offered to be a vessel for like a ritual just kind of isn't that am i right is that sort of what happened yeah but i think the thing is their personalities did like the whole because of his nature as a changeling, like he rather than being overwritten temporarily, like everyone like else, emerging. they actually did sort of create a. It was definitely more Curzon than Odo. Yeah, I, think, I felt. But, I felt like in that case, it was it, like Curzon almost seemed like a virus in a way. But Odo know? was definitely in there, and yeah. Odo specifically gave his consent that he liked this. Yeah. Oh. Odo think, preferred this. I think oh. the reason people don't think about it in the same way is because... That episode is bad? That episode also, like, didn't make Kurzodo sympathetic. He just became creepy because it turned <laughs> out he, like, loved Jadzia. And you were like, I need you to go away now. Please leave. Go. Go. Yeah, I don't like you. We didn't like Kurzodo. Yeah. I think if Kurzodo was likable, then yeah, it might be debated as much. You know, I think you're right, don't get me wrong, that it's a very similar situation, but I think it's the episode quality that is what has sort of created this, Yeah, you know, it also think about this in the yeah, same way. Yeah, it also thing. wasn't the focus of that episode. The focus of that episode was more on the Duran thing, if I remember, which was really irritating. Mm, yeah, that because that's right, because did they like, they they had, they put... Duran or Duran rather into Cisco and he yeah, got locked he attacked, up and he attacked Jadzia. Got and... to see Avery Brooks do crazy face, which he was so good at. Anyway, yeah, I yeah. say if we're gonna if we're going to picket for the life of Tuvix, we should be picketing for the life of Kurzodo too. Mm. Yeah, I mean you're, you're you're not wrong. Like I said, I think I think I can see why people don't think about it as much, but yeah. I mean, honestly, I I'm fine with not having Tuvix and Tuvix having been killed. I just don't think that what Janeway did is particularly ethical. And like in the fact and like they you know, even to the extent that they had the doctor refuse to perform yeah. the yeah. procedure. Refuse to perform the procedure, but not stop anyone else from performing the procedure. Oh, no, I mean I think I think that that's a that's a, a a real thing where like, I'm gonna watch and point you to where the right things well, are. So there's so there's an, an IRL in real life for the kids. Um, <laughs> in real life, that's a thing where a lot of states in the United States that have lethal injection, right? You're supposed to have it's supposed to be administered by 
a physician. Mm, but that's right. Did we see this in Mr. Death? Maybe. Yeah, well, sort of, right? Because the whole premise of that was that, yeah, they're, they're, basically the short story is there's no legitimate doctors, uh, physicians that will perform executions. You right? have to get the bad ones. <laughs> so you have to get bad doctors or you have to get people that aren't doctors. And like even pharmacies, like pharmacists won't make the drugs either for that purpose. So you end up having to get people improvising drug cocktails. And it oftentimes goes really fucking bad because, you know, these are not trained physicians that, that know how the body works. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll just... Just inject some bleach and put some UV rays up his butt. That'll take care of it. No, no, that's secure COVID. Oh, no. Right. That's actually, that is, I, I, on a podcast, I've heard that is an issue in that, like, we were getting a lot of these chemicals from abroad, mm-hmm. and they eventually started refusing to export them to us because these were countries without the death penalty. And they were like, well, we know what you're using them for. Fuck off. But yeah, I'd say another sort of real life example is the fact that he is a military doctor at the end of the day. and. We have military doctors and they don't, you know, they don't go around sabotaging the war effort, (laughs) but they won't, you know, actively shoot a guy either, I would think. Yeah. And like, yeah. And, you know, there's a code of ethics that physicians have to abide by. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So we make Janeway do it. And then the last scene of Jane or the last shot we see of Janeway is just her not being okay, which I think was excellent. Yep. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I think that was excellent. I do lament a bit that we don't get like there's there's no follow up. There's no Of course not. It's an episodic like, show. What, yeah, like what what was the fallout to this? Do, how how did how did Tuvok and Neelix end up feeling about yeah, the situation? Do they remember? Do, I was going to ask the Tuvix? same thing. Yeah. That's that has a lot of impact on your ident- on your concept of identity. I think like, what does Kess think now? Because a lot of this is because Kess wanted Neelix back and the poor thing, like so much of it like was literally tearing her apart. Yeah. Well, not literally. It was literally tearing them apart. I mean, here's the thing. I I, I can definitely say that no matter what he might have actually thought or felt, Tuvok would say he was fine mm. and super happy to not be Tuvix anymore. Neelix probably would have used this, you know, to just be like, we need to be friends now more than ever, because I know so much about you. <laughs> mm. I know that. I know all your Vulcan songs now. I know what you do to make your wife get off. Oh, Yikes. Nice. Yeah. Um, hey, here's a question. Yeah. Did Tuvix have a Katra? Huh. Fuck. <sighs> oh, that's good. What's a Katra again? The, is, is that a... Remember. The yeah, the Vulcan, yeah, the Vulcan soul, Vulcan. for lack of a better term. That yeah. we stuff inside McCoy oh. whenever we want. Uh, Hot. Did Spock have a Katra? Yes. Yeah, so they stuffed yes. inside McCoy. Then yes, he had a Katra. Yeah, and if that's the case... Was there another Vulcan on board they could have stuffed that Katra in? Or a non-Vulcan. It'll, you can put it into a human, they just go crazy. Well, that's the question, though, is does Tuvix... Suitor, you suitor, he'll be fine. Does Tuvix... Can Tuvix do that sort of stuff? Yeah, does he have Vulcan... Abilities. Yeah, his, his neural pathways may be different enough that he can't do. Yeah, that and then shit when you anymore. split them apart, will Tuvok then still have a Katra, or will it only be half a Katra? Mm. Oh God, does Neelix now have half of his Katra? Ooh, what if he has does, all of his Katra? Does Neelix now have two lungs? Nope. That's a good question. 
Holy shit, does Tuvok now have no lungs? (laughs) (laughs) Man, wouldn't that be some shit if they got fucking... They killed Tuvix so they could have Tuvok and Neelix back, and then one of the motherfuckers has no lungs and they die. Then I would really be pissed. I mean, I already am really pissed. I think the thing that pissed me off more than Janeway making the wrong fucking decision was the fact that no one lifted a fucking finger aside from the holographic doctor to stop it. Yeah, and that was a holographic the, finger. The scene on exactly. the bridge, a digital where, digit, you where, might say, um, where Tuvix is sort of thrashing around and begging anyone to help him is like really upsetting. Scene, and they're deeply. all just like kind of like looking at him and then looking away, like I don't see you. Yeah, like yeah. this Frankly, is fucked up. She probably shouldn't have pulled that on the bridge. Well, she didn't want to, but he insisted it happened there. Yeah, that's well, true. Well, fucking good for him. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Like, I would have just, like, ambushed him in his sleep, you know? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, Be- Beam him to sickbay while he's asleep. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, yeah, I, ugh. I do. Exercise him so he doesn't know what's happening. The, the one thing, I, like, so I don't know how I felt, really, but, like, would, should they have just had him do the Shylock monologue? No. Because, like, Star Trek loves quoting Shakespeare, and all I could think was, you really wanted to do Shylock, but didn't here. Maybe you just should have? Like, it was a little distracting that it was obvious what they were going for without actually doing it. This is where mm. it really pays off being ignorant, is that I have no idea what the fuck a Shylock is. I mean, I here's the thing, I know the speech you're talking about. I guess, but... Well, yeah, that, you know, prick us do we not bleed kind of thing. But I feel like I've never heard or read it in real life. I've only heard snippets of it in other media, so it actually would not have distracted me at all. Mm. I think I think, I think, think if, if they had thrown in a prick us do we not bleed, I think... I think it would take it, me out of it. It would, it would have been really... Yeah. Also, unless it was in the original Klingon. I mean, yeah, plus we already said, do if you prick me, do, do I not leak with data once? Oh god! Did that I actually? He's what? Is that really something he said? Yep. How did I forget that? And it's did I rag? Line. Did I rag on it really hard at the time? Because it's stupid. Probably. Okay, good. I think we liked it at the time. Because oh, oh, no. Data's just adorable. Yeah, he, he, was very he had, he had a good data. delivery of it. Mm, yeah. It like he almost wanted to say bleed, then he was like, bleed. Oh yeah, that sounds right. So yeah, but again, credit to the actor. Oh, uh, he was wonderful. And also, like I. This is something he really, you know, like, couldn't control overall, but I feel like, you know, th- thank God he had the voice he had, because he just had this, like, it would have been hard to take Tuvix seriously if he didn't have, like, that sort of, the timber this guy had. It was a hmm. very, I don't know, serious voice that you could, yeah, like, it's a good thing he didn't try to do, like, a Neelix impression, I guess, is what I'm going for. Or that it wasn't just Ethan Phillips's voice. Yeah, Oh, like, they originally wanted Ethan Phillips to do the role, and then they nope. said, no, that'll be way too distracting. Well, that? and fucking blackface. I mean, not to mention... Well, well, I, I guess they just... wouldn't have made him black if, if, it, was, if uh, it was Neelix. I mean, you don't know. But yeah, if he was a merge, like... Have you seen some of the shit they do on the show, Jake? He could Fair. be stripes. But yeah, it's like, if they... If he's a merge, it would be really weird to have one of the two actors play the part. Yeah, he's exactly. a merge. Like, either of, if it was Tim Russ, it would have been just as like, what? Yeah, because there would be too much Neelix coming out, e- even if uh, he was, like, tempering it down with Tuvok. Yeah, no, having would, a third actor... You would only actor, see Neelix. Yeah, having a third actor with weird 
used makeup was definitely the way to go. Yeah, yeah. Also on the on the acting front, I want to give a lot of props to Jennifer Lean because her yeah. scenes with Janeway were both phenomenal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really beautifully acted scenes. Yeah. Yeah, the breakdown especially was really yeah. good. Really good. We're, we're reminded that Catherine Hart's Mark and possibly Dog. If we remember, there's also usually a dog involved. Oh, I've got to be in the photo or I don't recognize I say, Mark. I mean, they didn't show any pictures in this episode, so I'm not really sure who either of these Dog or Mark are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that this is our running joke. It's very funny. As a side note, I would agree that Kessa's actress did a great job because who could imagine anyone really giving that much of a fuck about Neelix being gone? I thought we liked Neelix now. I know, but I still kind of hate him. I, I think is I I do like Neelix now, but I still feel like the show doesn't do a great job of writing them in a way that I really think of them as more than just good friends. Like they don't, I don't mm, feel okay. like they're a couple. No, come on, Chris. He calls her sweetie. <laughs> like that's 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 the one thing they oh, still. Oh, it's sweeting. It's sweeting. Oh. oh, well, I it's like that little, better, and I wish it was clearer that That's he would be calling her that. But yeah, overall, like, I just feel like the show still kind of, like, the way they're written, like, again, I think they're really good friends, but I don't, it, I don't believe them as a couple. Well, that's because okay. we kind of know point. they're probably not fucking. It sort of seems like well, they, they don't, don't have to fuck, but I also, I, have they even ever kissed on the show? Like, Yeah, it's... we've seen, like, at least one kiss, and it made me gag. Yeah, that's my one thing, is, I, again, I do, I like Neelix, I like Cass. I believe them as friends. I don't believe them as an item. That's the one thing I'm still just like, mm, this isn't quite gelling here. Uh, I'll be yeah. interested to see how I feel about the show the next time we watch it. Because, <laughs> like, honestly, like, not to be, I, like, not to be, like, melodramatic, but it's like, if if I'm watching a show and these are the real people in the show and they're the real people living in the world of the show that I'm watching, I fucking hate all of these people for letting this happen. Like, Oh, I, I see what you mean. I've lost all respect, and uh, I'm just not. I don't know. I'm. I'm really. I'm really worried. This is going to taint the rest of my experience, <laughs> which is a real shame because I like. I have up to this point liked Voyager a lot more than I expected to. Um, oh, I think. I think we're meant to forget it as soon as possible. I don't think I. I and don't know, I don't know if I can. I probably will. We all know my my memory is very poor, so I'm sure I will. But like right yeah. now. I'm just like, man, I'm never going to stop being really fucking mad about this. That's good. That's good that this episode created such a such an emotional response. You know, it's interesting. It, it, in a way, there's echoes, even though it was a totally different situation, there's echoes here of Worf's refusal to give blood to the, the Romulan. Mm. Where it's like, you know, that was a reprehensible thing that he did. And, yeah. it, and I, and I kind of had the same reaction to, to how Worf acted in that instance did you um, really yeah i thought that i thought that he was awful oh interesting uh, i was on morph's side yeah me too i i feel like i mean technically legally i as a person would have the right to deny anybody the use of my bodily yeah, fluids sure, yeah, but, legally, he's doing but but ethically and morally you're a piece of shit if and he's, he can <laughs> yeah it was pretty, he's doing it not like He's doing it based purely on racism, you know? Yeah. It's not yeah, like... that's the despicable part. They're not asking him to yeah, give blood to, like, I don't know, to fucking uh, the head of fucking House Duras who ruined yeah. his family's life. Like, it's just some Romulan. Yeah. Not if, a specific if so, one. If I was, uh, yeah, if someone was like, you know, you 
Putin needs platelets and you're the only compatible donor, I'd, I'd decline. You know? And that's fine. I think people would be like, yeah, no, that, that's totally reasonable. But if it was <laughs> just like... Putin would actually expect you to but if it's like, oh, things, probably, there's, but... there's Russians that are dying and need blood. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I remember that episode also a little bit cops out because then we learn later on that that Romulan would never have taken his Klingon blood anyway. And it's like, mm. oh, well, fuck you then. That's Die. Right, that's right. <laughs> right, yeah, fuck you both. And then, of course, there was a time Worf was a terrorist and got no comeuppance for it. Yeah, Worf just what kind does of that have bad to do with this all episode? around. Nothing, yeah. I just had that train of that. Jake led me on this train of thought. Um, like, Worf gets away time, with a lot. There's a time Cisco poisoned a planet. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. are we doing right now? We're we're citing all of the times our heroes did horrible things. Um, yeah. Killing Curzoto. Justice versus Curzoto. <laughs> uh, uh, back to this episode, though. I have like yes. one, one or two little things I wanted to bring up. They do a nice callback to how the doctor hasn't been able to pick a name yet because yeah. Kuvik said, man, picking a name is really hard. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick a really lame one. Yeah, <laughs> picking a name is really hard. But then he picks one within a matter of seconds. And meanwhile, the doctor never picks one, apparently. So maybe the doctor will choose Tuvik's. Oh, I would no. literally, in, in literally vomit. <laughs> <laughs> never think, goes to help him again. <laughs> what would be really funny is, you know, they go, oh, he's had to call himself Tuvix. Dude. And you see the doctor go, motherfucking scratches something That's off That's actually his pad. a good point, though, Ames. What? I wonder, like, I know that because this is, we're not going to, the plan is to forget it as soon as possible. But I would have loved to have seen, like, how this might have colored, like, the doctor's working relationship with anybody, but especially Kess. Mm. Well, Kess, see, here's the thing. Kess kind of takes the coward's way out in a way because she she privately tells Janeway that she wants her to kill Tuvix. But I don't think she tells anybody else that. Especially not Tuvix. Like, she lets Janeway do do the dirty work, which is fine because it's really Janeway's job Bucks off uh, if cat. someone's going to do it. But at the same time, no one else knows that Kess was on the side of killing Tuvix. Mm. Yeah, yeah even as true. conflicted as it made her feel, because she feels bad that they would be killing Tuvix, because he's gotten close with her, and even though it's really creepy whenever he tells her he loves her, and she's like, no, this is really hard, please don't. Yeah, it's going to be extra hard for her. Yeah. Your uh, other thing, though? Oh, God, I put my notes away. Oh, she bitch. said you had two things. What was the other thing? Cass uh, will be long dead before Tuvok needs to deal with Tapel. <laughs> True. There you go. One thing that was kind of stupid in this episode, I will say. Starfleet officers don't know how to make a fucking Q. A what? Q-U-E-U-E. Not... Oh, a Q. Oh, a line. He means a line. Yeah. Get in, they, when were get the, in when the were line. When were they not making a line? Oh, my God. When they all the decided kitchen? to try to make their breakfast at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that was, yeah. like, come on, guys, you fucking morons. Yeah, that was stupid. Nobody would do that. Aside from that, though, yeah. Good episode. I just wanted a Pop-Tart. <laughs> Seriously, there was probably someone in there like that. Like, I just wanted a fucking bagel. What the shit? <laughs> and it's chaos everywhere. <laughs> I know it was so... Tuvix could come in and shoo them all, but it's like, could have just had it that someone was trying to make breakfast and failing. You didn't need the cadet review in there being idiots. It was Tuvix, a Valaxian, or a Talaxkin? I don't think we want to answer the question, because if we ask what Tuvix was, we have to admit that we just genocided 
the only one of his kind. Tuvix oh, was a transporter accident. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And there'll be plenty of those have been uh, and will continue to be. Yeah, yeah but one I day say, we'll so, do as that far as, as, as far as transporter accidents go, just being, you know, being a living thing at the end of a transporter accident is you're winning. Yeah. Really. Um, yeah. You're not a you could you could be a blob on the on the transporter pad. Yeah, you're not a blob. You're not two of you slowly dying because one needs the other. You're not a you're not, child. You're not one of you trapped on a planet while the other one gets your girlfriend. You're not out of <laughs> phase with reality. Yeah, there's some good ones. I I originally planned for this our, uh, this week's blogtivity to be transporter accidents, but we have more chairs to discuss. So transporter mm. accidents will be another day because also we will see more transporter accidents in the future because of course we will. Yeah. Well, I was also thinking about like times where we had more than one version of the same person. Like mm. you could talk about like Thomas Riker and um Will Riker and like I was thinking of other people. Who the fuck else did I think of? Well, I guess you got two Kirks. I don't know. Anyway, I was literally, actually thinking literally along- everybody on Voyager a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'll be another week. We'll talk about stuff like that. It's all good stuff. But segueing smoothly into our uh, blogtivity this week. So last week we were talking alien chairs because we talked about Starfleet chairs previously. Check it all out on our Tumblr. You're going to see lots of pictures that I screen grabbed out of episodes of chairs. What a strange life I live now, <laughs> now that I've decided that these are things I do. So first off, I think you, Chris can cut all this uh, at some point, but I want to re- re-show you guys the chairs from last week, because I know you couldn't see them very well on my laptop screen. But now we're caught and up. And now, the conclusion. And yeah. now, the the new chairs. All right, so as I said, I started re-watching some bits of the TNG movies. Let's start with... Generations. I wrote Genesis because I always get these two two things backwards. It is Generations. (laughs) Fuck my life. All right, so in Generations, we see two different chairs because this is both Lursa and Bator's ship, and they're kind of co-captains or something. Mm. So Bator gets the normal chair that we've seen a lot. It's the same as Chang's chair, it looks like. It's got Klingon stickers on it. You can see it in the background here. And in the foreground, you see Lursa's chair which looks kind of like the bounty chair, Mm. but it's got more Klingon stickers and stuff on it. So just another reuse of chairs. Yep. It's pretty cool. I mentioned that I did some rewatching of Insurrection because fucking Ruafo's chair is excellent. It's very opulent. Oh my God, I love this thing. It's pretty great. I want to take a nap on it. It's just a big, like, maroon couch with, like, gold accents. It's got, it's, like, full-on pillows. It's a command love seat. Yeah. Ooh. I also, like, because for a while I was like, yeah, but it's a couch. You can't really command from your couch. But you can see it's got these little screens kind of positioned in front of it so that he can be doing work from the comfort of his couch. Well, also, I think he mostly, he's more of a bark out orders kind of commander i think yeah like that thing he's he's earned the right to lounge while the underlings do what they do yeah i think it's just such an interesting choice for for his people specifically because i don't think of them as a let's be comfy kind of people they're kind of a we have to survive oh my god kind of mm. people but it is an excellent chair it's on a little pedestal yeah excellent choice Moving forward, let's look at the Nemesis chairs, because there's several of them. 
Let's start in the scimitar, which is one of my favorite ships. Well, with an with a chair that is interesting. It looks like a tabernacle. It's like they designed it to force him to do the Kirk lean. <laughs> yeah, it's it's asymmetrical. Yep. It's like on top of a light box. Yep. Which is an interesting choice. Yep. The it's, back has a little cutout. Yeah, it's it's funky. It doesn't look at all comfy. It looks actually specifically uncomfy. Yeah, that yeah, seems reaming. It's almost like something that was like there on the ship. And they're like, uh, put some cushions on it. We'll make it a chair. Yeah, staple <laughs> a chair to it. It's actually a space heater. Yeah, it looks like a trunk. Like you'd open it up and store things inside of it. Mm, there you go. Where they kept all of Tom Hardy's fake noses. <laughs> and his lip scars. Yes. Yeah, but he's got a little screeny majig, so he can also be doing his homework. Yeah, it's a fun chair. It's weird, but fun. Yeah, it's weird. I don't understand this kind of like little gizmo on the on the what would be his left side. Yeah, I like I said, it's, it really does feel like they did it just so he would be forced to lean. <laughs> yeah, I love the color though. The color of it's kind of nice because it's just this pretty kind of bronzy gold. Yeah. Clicky made a chair out of an old TV. <laughs> Ooh, we should do that. No, I'll make a cat bed. Yeah, we should we should actually hollow out our old TV and put a cat bed in it, Jake. No. Oh, <laughs> All right, we see another chair in Nemesis that is on Donatra's ship, the Valdor, which just looks like a classic Trek chair. Yeah, nothing special. You never get a it's great look cushies. at the bridge in the movie, but looking at it now, I think they just redressed the Enterprise E bridge for this. It does, it does kind of look like that. Yeah, I bet they yeah. did. And the, and the, you can see the chairs in the background are just, they look like the Voyager chairs. Yeah. They look kind of like Voyager chairs in the background that they slap like a Vulcan, oh uh, no, a, uh, what are you, a Romulan, a Romulan and, insignia on. And put them on stands since they're normally bolted into the wall. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like we see these stands a lot. Is this the same stand that we saw on, like, Enterprise, on their chairs? I think actually, I think it's yeah. actually the stand from, the, when there was a picture you had of, like, the standalone Voyager chair not bolted in the oh, wall. I think it was on that yeah. stand. That would explain it. Yeah. Which is why it looks, I don't know if I'd say it looks like a Romulan chair. I'd say it looks kind of like a Starfleet chair with Romulan it stuff on it. really does, yeah. We're going to look also at some Cardassian chairs. I didn't include this one last week because I knew we were going to see more of it this week mm. in Deep Space Nine. Because the Cardassian chair that we see a couple of times has this really like flared out top and kind of what looks like alligator skin print, which I think is perfectly fitting. Oh, yeah. They make it out of their uh, political prisoners that they've executed. Yeah, because they're, they're lizards. Or they make it out of the skin they shed. That, that's the big secret. Oh. Cisco was sitting on leftover Gul Dukat for seven years. <laughs> uh, actually, he. this is from, the screenshot I'm showing is from Emissary, and he swaps out the chair pretty quick. Ah, boo. Yeah. And it just looks like a normal office chair. But yeah, this one yeah. looks pretty cool. It looks comfy. Yeah. Uh, we see another Cardassian uh, chair in Emissary. I forget who this guy is, but we never get a great look at it, but you can see it's kind of look it kind of looks like a car seat. It's so funny that like when you think about it they decided just just most alphabetic quadrant races do the whole like command chair thing as opposed to just not Where like, would your captain sit? I mean, does he have to? What what are you, a Jem Hadar? 
No, I mean, when you think about, like, say, like, the fact that they have a captain's chair at all is kind of weird, almost, just because, like, I don't think that's a thing in the Navy. I think the captain does just kind of stand around. And <laughs> um, your legs get tired. Yeah, I know. It's part of the part of the curse of being the captain. Man, that would really suck. I'm glad they get to sit down. <laughs> yeah. We only catch a Yay! couple glimpses of Tosk's ship, and Tosk has just a tiny little stool. Yeah. Which, you yeah, know... Tosk's ship's really not much more than a shuttle, though, so... Which, I mean, is it even his, or is it something he managed to steal somewhere? Oh, that's a good question. I don't remember if they say specifically in the episode. Uh, yeah. Those little, uh... Ferengi dome things. They do. I was thinking that. <laughs> I don't know if they do mention it. I just rewatched this episode not that long ago. Oh, it's a great episode. But yeah, I, I just restarted Deep Space Nine like immediately. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's it, it's in keeping with you know Tosk doesn't need luxury stuff. He just yeah, needs no. to get away. Yeah, and this exactly. is like is it a, th- a thing that I don't have to stand all the time because that sucks. Done. Taking mm-hmm. this ship. <laughs> Uh, what episode is this? This is Armageddon game. We see the Talani, who are a bunch oh, of assholes. those jerks, yeah. Trying to get Miles and Julian killed. And they have really ugly chairs, too. Mm-hmm. Those with their fucking stupid hair. Really oh, does? Oh, the hair's always bad. Yeah. I think they're, they're supposed the to have, like, of those. Pretty bad. skull under there. Like, it's not just a style. They actually have weird, like, <laughs> head fins. I think they damn well better. Skull humps. <laughs> pretty awful. Yeah, one day I think we should do a, a hairstyle blogtivity, and these oh, guys no. I'm sure will be on there. Oh god, them and the horrible feather I was gonna people. Gonna say you're gonna talk about the feather <laughs> hair assholes. Nice. Well, uh, Luxana, the many looks of Luxana would actually be a, on its own a very that's, nice thing. That's, like, that, that's just her, though. We, yeah, I yeah. like that no, one. Just yeah, Luxana. just a Luxana day. I'd lead. I could lead that one. I would love to talk about her being a sassy, sexy bitch. The, the daughter of the some screen grabs for us. No, but I will. The Daughter of the Fifth House does not share a blog with anyone else. Yep, so we're going to keep moving it forward. Yeah, so we see the same Klingon chair we always see on Kang's ship Mm -hmm. when Kang tries to get us all killed for no reason. Damn it, Kang. Yep, more of the little Klingon stickers. Little decals that you can print out yourself. All right, and then we see Zek's Ferengi shuttle when Zek comes back after having seen a prophecy or some shit. Oh, the prophets turn him into a... Into a nice guy. Yeah. And the chairs are these blue and green striped plastic, like, lo- looks like what you would have on a playground. Seriously. It looks like a fucking, like, like, a hospital waiting room or bowling alley or something. Yeah, you think <laughs> the Nagus would have better chairs on his shuttle. You'd think, because we see more Ferengi shuttles and they have other chairs. Also, Maybe he's just being cheap. None yeah, of... Yeah. Yeah, but he's the Nagus. You gotta... Spend like you have it. Have you seen you his cane? No, no, but that's how people have it, is that they don't spend. So he is spending like he has it. See, the real spending. The real problem with that chair is not a one of them is big enough for Mr. Mayhardu. I was just thinking mm. that too. <laughs> He's too big for that chair, for sure. Yep. Yeah. It looks not at all comfy. <laughs> no. It looks like hard playground plastic. Yeah, no, I hate no, it. Oh, yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah. And it's like bright freaking blue. Yeah, doesn't it go with the rest of the decor? No, it doesn't. Right? Frickin' blue. Um, yes, we have a Romulan ship in the die is cast that Tane is leading. 
I think, and I only have the quickest shot that looks like one of the chairs we've seen before. Yeah, it's just that I think it's the the light. It's one of the Klingon chairs. They just slapped yep. the Romulan logo on it. Yep. But if I had to rewatch the episode to find this screenshot, I'm damn well showing it to you. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, so here's another Ferengi ship. This there is Quark's ship that he got from Gala. And it's a nice kind of rounded back. It looks kind of like a faux leather, like a green faux leather yep. with little arms and some kind of, you never get to see what the insignia on the back in the light green is, but I'm sure it's a little Ferengi symbol of some kind. Yeah, I think. Or maybe a taco. <laughs> it's also stolen from a 90s Taco Bell. Yep. Yeah. See, this is, this is more Ferengi to me. Yeah. Like round shapes, like plush leather looking thing. That just it's, seems more Ferengi. It's possible. There, There is, I mean, I don't know if you ever get a good look at it, but there is a, a an emblem of the Ferengi alliance. And if it was turned on its side, the top of it would be like that. So that might be what that is. Oh, maybe. I will send you the picture. Cool. I bet you it's on timelines too. Probably. Yep. So that's Quark's ship. When... Dukat is flying around in a freighter when he's been demoted and he's flying mm. around in the Grumal. He's got another of those Cardassian ships. So you can see uh, Cardassian seats that you yeah. can see. It's got that flared out back. But now you can see the arms. You can see it's on a little pedestal-y thing. I, I really, you know, I appreciate that because I never noticed that there was this unified look of Cardassian chairs having this sort of inverted triangle back. It goes with their, with their... Yes, yeah. Yeah, with their necks mm-hmm. and also with their uniforms, yeah, which are big right. triangles. Right. And I like that it's made out of like like reptile skin. Like that's it's really cool. Yeah, I appreciate the consistency. Yeah, and this one's also on a big pedestal that has some kind of a big backing thing that's built into it with like railings and stuff. Yeah, well it it makes it very much look like a very utilitarian ship, you know? It really plays up the idea that it's a freighter and not something better. But he's making it he's making it more important than it needs to be because he's Ducat. Yeah, especially with that sassy cross leg there. Oh yeah, love it. Love it. And then he steals a bird of prey, like mm-hmm. he does. And that's uh, and it's got the chair. normal chair. Yep. yep. I kinda wish because I know we see this thing more, and I kinda wish that when we saw it again, it would instead of having the Klingon stickers, it would have like little Cardassian stickers or something. Even better if they were like Put over it in such a way that you could still see, like, the edges of the Klingon ones. Like, he couldn't get them <laughs> off completely. So he's just like, ah, fuck it. Nice. Yep, but, you know, we've seen this chair, but, you know, you, you have to see it again now. That's fine. Speaking of seeing it again, we also see the same chair in the KCA. Ah, nice. Uh, with uh, Regent Worf. I could not, for the life of me, get a good screenshot of whatever the last episode is. When Worf actually takes the whole chair, rips it out of the floor, and throws it across the room. Because it's a very, very darkly lit scene, but I enjoyed it because we got to get a good, good action from chair. I appreciate that you got it mid-spark. <laughs> chair acting. Good work. <clears throat> yep, but, but otherwise, same chair. Uh, we see it again on the Rotaran. Man, they were really good at holding on to that fucking chair. They did a great job with that chair. Okay, so here's the other Ferengi chair. And it's it's kind of like the blue chair that we saw before, but it's like rounded. It still looks like it belongs in a playground. Yeah, it has little it's got arms. It's this round back with like little flary arms, a little round seat. It's still the same bright freaking blue. So weird. I mean, again, I, I guess I appreciate the consistency, but weird. Weird choice. Yeah, I thought so too. 
Because we also see it again, I think it's in the Mirror Mirror, the Mirror Universe episode, we see another one. And we see both this chair and the other blue chair in the same scene. <laughs> Amazing. So, okay, they did that. All right. I really like this one because I was trying to find the Bajoran chair because I mm. saw in Ex Asterisk Scientia this little drawing one on the side that they, they, they there was a version of a Bajoran chair. Mm. And I said, I have to find it. I have to find it. I finally found it in season seven. And it's Bajoran. It's Akira's Bajoran Interceptor that she uses to say fuck you to that Romulan uh, Senator Kretak. Yeah. In. So that is just a badass chair automatically. Mm. Yeah, it looks kind of like an office chair. Say the yeah, arms are office cherry. Yeah, they really like. I think probably took an office chair and then modified the hell out of it because those yeah. arms are very much office cherry, just spray painted silver. <laughs> oh, but then right. they did a lot of work on the back to make that backing because that is not that is not standard office chair fare in some regards. Yeah, this kind of up the 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 head of it kind of is a little flary thing. Yeah, the little metal post and such. So they did a good job of modifying it. Yeah, I thought so. It looks very Bajoran to me, too. Maybe it's because it's in all, like, browns and stuff. Yeah. It's a good set. Good mm -hmm. for them. Okay, last chair. <laughs> the heading here is wonderful. Yes, so this <laughs> fucking thing. And what we're looking at now is, I'm told, a Klingon chair. I can because see when that, you, yeah. When you type into Google, like, you know, Klingon command chair, this thing is the first thing that comes up. It is a, a chair that is just kind of like the a normal leather seat kind of stuffed into what looks like a rock mm -hmm. that has been carved into a chair shape yeah uh, my question is which two chairs did you have to have a uh transporter accident with to make this this chair um tuvok and neelix wow surprisingly comfy yeah yeah, but this, so this thing comes up and they say, oh, this is the chair that you see on Klingon Bridges in these episodes. It's supposed to be on the Rotaran. And what I think is that it's probably off in like the wings with like the, where the extras are working on screens and stuff. And it's not the actual command chair. I can but see this that, thing yeah. caused me so much grief that I'm including it anyway. That's fair. Looks like sometimes it, it, it had a headrest and sometimes it didn't. Yep. And it does look very Klingon. It does. And apparently the, they have great photos of it because they put it on auction or something. So uh, that's why it was all over the internet. So there we go. Wow. Those are all of our excellent chairs. There were very, very many of them. Most of them the same chairs. So I've stuffed them all on one screen, removed the duplicates and just have one of each if there's duplicates because there were very, very many. And I've also removed some that you never got a very good look at because... There were good screen grabs of them. So here's, you're going to see our final screen of all the chairs up on our Tumblr. And you can tell us which ones you like and which ones you don't like. My favorite is the Ferengi Ray of Light chair. <laughs> which is which one? This one here? Yeah, it's a good one. Yep. Why, why that one, one and not the Romulan one? Uh, I don't, I don't like the turquoise. Again, it's just, it's too many like 90s fast food vibes. Hmm. <laughs> I think my favorite is that really weird, lots and lots of orbs, bisexuals like to sit on this thing, monstrosity, because right it looks like you could sit on that in many, many ways. You could. None of them comfortable. No. But, uh, yeah. Depends on who you ask. And of course, the worst are the plastic Ferengi chairs. Hmm. Yeah, those are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that would be my vote as well. Zex, Zex shitty chair. And I'm honorable this down positive, as we go. Honorable positive mention to... 
Romulan commander's chaise lounge chair. Oh yeah, that one I'm gonna say is my favorite. Yeah, I think it's I, that. I think it's that's that my one, favorite as well. It's that one or Ruafos. Because those mm. are both really, like, they're, they're not just you have to command in these chairs. It's you are these chairs. Yeah. I will say, I, I should know, say. Ruffos is a bit over the top for me, but I, I like the Romulan commander. I Well, I say, well, my favorite is the Ferengi one. Like, the one I want most to sit on is probably the Romulan one because it looks so soft. It does look super soft. And everyone hates the Ferengi chair so far. Yep. Yeah, they're bad. I might have to go with. Tin Man, because, <gasps> I don't know, doesn't look comfortable, even though it's like supposedly molded to your body. It just looks like it's made out of rocks. It's just made out of, it's literally this thing's tongue. Which is even worse. Oh, yeah. Put it that way, this tin, is kind tin of man. <laughs> Oh, boy. My chair is licking me. It's licking at me, Ray. Oh, no. Yeah, what is my least favorite? I mean, the Ferengi ones are all bad. Real bad guys. Ah, oh, but I don't think I like the one. I don't think I like the ray of sunlight one that Chris does so much. Wow. I think I think that one's not great. Ah, uh, but it's. So I think wacky. it's very goofy, and that's <laughs> the thing. Like you love goofy, and I hate goofy. That'll do it. So it might be that one. Do you prefer it with some taco turquoise? I think I do prefer it with the turquoise because the turquoise also adds these kind of little balls. Yeah. Balls. Yeah, you need a chair with balls. Well, then you should like the one Caitlin likes. That's nothing I but do. pretty much. That's a great chair. So many balls. <laughs> I agree with Caitlin. That's a really fun chair. Well, there we I'm go. glad we see it around the show. Yeah. Uh, so this was a fun week. It was. Ch- staring at chairs. And now I can finally stop staring at chairs. Because I think we noticed in the, la- the latest episode of Picard. Well, really, the first episode of the Picard. Because Jake and I just watched it. New, new Starfleet chair. And I said, ah, <laughs> it's too late. It's too late to be in the blog oh, post. Holy shit. The card's back already? Yeah. yeah. Started uh, this past Thursday. Wow. Yeah. yeah, we have another new uniform that isn't going to be on our blog yet. We have another new comm badge. We haven't. The new uniform is covered in deltas because of course it is. Oh, yeah, I the saw chair that. is covered in deltas because son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, I'll have to see where they go with the season. But it's nice to see Q. Mm. All right, so next week's actually going to be another interesting week because next week we're hitting the season finale of season two. Already? Already. I know. Didn't it go by fast? Did. Yeah, so next week we're talking episodes Resolutions and Basics, parts one and two, part one being the season finale, part two being the season opener of season three. Okay, they're pulling that shit finally. So that'll be next week. We'll have our season two wrap up of our bests and worsts of the of the season. So look forward to that. You can also check out these chairs. So many chairs on our Tumblr. SSC and other podcast. things. Oh yeah, so many other things on our Tumblr. It's really exciting. I've been enjoying doing the Tumblr. It's been it's been a lot of fun. And we've got more ideas in the future. You can also catch up with us on Facebook and Twitter. You can listen to all our past episodes. Another thing I always enjoy doing over on SoundCloud or, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts. There's not just the one place. That would be a monopoly. Mm. Uh, Yeah, so we'll catch you next week. This has been Ames. This has been Caitlin. This has been Jake. This is always Chris. Chris, come with us to sickbay. Oh.